everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. another episode of we're not wizards my name's richard i'll be your host and it could be tuesday it could be thursday it could be friday it could be wednesday occasionally it might be saturday but after all it's uh, whatever you want because after all it is your podcast now joining me today is a man who um who you can often see him kind of you know he's he's a man about town he he kind of you could say he likes to kind of maybe get involved in the kind of the movies. You can say he maybe likes to get involved in kind of producing and maybe filming these movies. And at the end, when he's produced and he's filmed these movies, you can hear him shouting out in a loud, in a loud voice, that's a wrap, because joining me from Diacritical Games is Adam Sadiq. So there you go. Hello, Adam. Hello. How are you? I am doing well. It's very cold here. It was warm this morning, but now it's really cold. How cold is it? How cold is it? Um, <laughs> Here's the first challenge. How cold, how cold is, is, it? is it in centigrade, Adam? Don't be using uh, oh. your American nonsense. <laughs> you can't you can't drop that on me. I don't have a calculator handy. Uh, right, okay. Well, how, how cold is it in Fahrenheit? Um, it is about 30 degrees. Is it? So it's like minus two, roughly. Minus two centigrade yeah. in real proper temperature. Have you had snow then? <laughs> um, tomorrow actually we're supposed to get <laughs> snow, but I'm I will be leaving town, which is nice. All right, so you're just running away from the snow. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> are you used to the? Are you used to the snow? Is snow something that happens on a regular basis, or is it going to be like in the UK, where as soon as we get snow, we just totally freeze up, and then everybody buys all the bread that there is. <laughs> And everybody freaks out about it. Or are you able to cope with this type of weather? Well, there's no... that The getting all the bread in the supermarket is a pretty universal thing, but we are <laughs> definitely more used to the snow here. Well, there you go. That's fine. That's fine. Um, thank you for coming on the show. I bet it, yeah, thank you for having you know, me. Um, for people who haven't listened before, and Adam's wondering why he's even joining us, after the chat that we've had before the show's even started. The reason that we do this is because there's quite simply, there's not enough, well, we've not done enough podcasts yet. That's the new line. Um, we're hoping to do lots more. Um, but the reason we want to do the more podcasts is we get to speak to people like Adam about their about their game, which is going to be coming to Kickstarter very, 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 very soon. In fact, probably by the time you're listening to this um, and the second reason that we won't do this is because um, cause it's fun. There you go. Um, but again, thanks for coming on. I guess what we normally like to do is we like to find out a little bit more about kind of how you kind of got involved in the hobby. So I guess we want to have a little bit of a look at the kind of the, I guess, the screenwriting of the past before we look at the production of the present and the film reviews of the future. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into the hobby in the first place, please? So uh, once upon a time, long, long time ago, really not that long ago, but... um, <laughs> Were you 90 or something? <laughs> I'm trying to give it that cinematic feel. Oh, oh sorry. Sorry. Do you want to start? Do you want to, start, do you want to do like a movie voice? And just <laughs> in a in, world where in a world. <laughs> exactly in a world which is full of trees comes a man bringing cardboard. His name is Adam. 
He's fighting against the world where entertainment doesn't exist. And he's bringing crunchy celluloid with a cardboard twist. When you go. <laughs> oh, that, that, is, that is wonderful. That's the Kickstarter um, video done. <laughs> so my main, my main introduction to modern board games was in was in college i had always played like a little bit of board games now i'm a very competitive person you know mm. anyone will tell you that uh, that knows me uh, so i've always loved games i've loved things like that um board games are always fun but this whole new world of board games because it is truly truly crazy um one of my really good friends my high school friends just you know brought over a board game one day when we were uh both in college you know he's like there are all these games out there and this is like this is one that i bought i'm really getting into this hobby so we played i don't even remember what game it was if i had to guess i think it was king of tokyo or maybe it was king of new york one of those two or maybe something completely different, not totally <laughs> off base. But I, that was one of the earlier games that I played. I do remember that. But it was a very nice coincidence as well. Um, the apartment that I lived in was really close to this um, board game kind of coffee shop, bar. Basically, some guy in Omaha, which is where um, I went to high school, or like elementary school, high school, college... Um, he had a huge collection of games, and he opened up this board game bar, coffee place, library. He yeah. had like over, like probably over a thousand games, and it's crazy. They're just Whoa. all in shelves. It's awesome. But I found out, you know, my friend told me he was like, you know, there are all these games. We got to go check out this place sometime. So, and like I said, luck would have it that I lived pretty close within walking distance. So I really just started to make a habit of visiting this board game place and learned a lot of different games, met a lot of cool people. And yeah, that was just a really good introduction to the hobby and pretty much never looked back since. How do you decide what to play? Because I have probably, I don't have as many games maybe as people expect because I've been trimming down the collection a bit. So I've maybe got about 7,000, but no, but no, I mean about 50. <laughs> but when you're faced with like a thousand board games, where do you start? Do you just like pick the top left and kind of work all the way through? Or were you taking recommendations for people as to what games to try? Yeah, usually uh, recommendations are a really good way to go. The staff was always really helpful in that way. They'd have like staff picks up, mm-hmm. on, up on a shelf. Uh, they had everything sectioned out by... Um, by kind of theme, so you could have mm-hmm. like two-player games, economy games, ancient history games, train games, which are obviously there's a ton of those. <laughs> it's funny seeing like niche games having like whole whole shelves for them, like ancient Roman waste removal games. I, I, I know it's kind of like a whole it's like a whole thing. It's like ancient Aztec games. There's not going to be that many of them. It's fifteen or something <laughs> like that. It's just like you know, um, a po- I mean, let's face it. Kind of dystopian future has got like a whole entire section. It's not just like got a shelf. No, that's like got a whole store. Yeah, it's practically <laughs> as a you know, welcome to dystopian board games shop. And it's like, okay, which way we go? I'll just come in here. That'll be fantastic. Um. <laughs> Was there any ones that kind of stuck out for you that you kind of became kind of firm favorites when you were starting to play? One of the first games that I ever fell in love with was Camel Up. Um, I had... It it won... I'm pretty sure it won Spiels de Jahr um, the year that I really started to get into board games. So I know I'd heard about this game. Mm -hmm. I found it at the game store... And I played it, and it's just been one of those games that, like, I bought, like, immediately. And I, I always love to break it out when I have, like, six or eight people over for a game night. Because it's one of those super easy, light, fun, fast games. And we always love to get into characters and yell at our camels. Root for the underdogs, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> we we get into the storylines of things way too much. <laughs> did you make up kind of stories? You didn't give them voices, did you? 
Did no, you camel, voices, and you? camels can't talk, so... That's not no. true. Oh, maybe it's not true. <laughs> if a camel had a voice, what kind of voice would it be? I don't know, let's not have questions like that. This is a show about tabletop, not about making up stuff and nonsense. <laughs> um, did that encourage you to get your own collection? I mean, having access to... Because I, I know people that they, they don't have a massive collection of games themselves, but they end up playing a lot of games because they're the people that are quite open to kind of playing anything that comes along. And I know a lot of people, like you know, they collect, they have massive collections and they are mm-hmm. kind of like, they're kind of like almost like the games bank. I mean, it's like you're creating, a, you're curating a collection for people to play with you and not necessarily curating a collection for you to collect yourself because otherwise it'll not it'll never get played so did you end up kind of having a forming quite a large collection because you had pretty much this kind of cornucopia Adam's cave on kind of like your your doorstep yeah I definitely um once I moved away uh because that was when I was in Omaha I'm in Kansas City now um mm-hmm. when I moved away into my own apartment in that I had I started to like buy my own games because there were um, there was no place in Kansas City that was like close and similar and like mm. easy to convince people to go to. <laughs> okay. Was there um, local? Is there local like? Was there local clubs that you were kind of getting involved in? Local groups that you managed to kind of kind of become part of in the area when you joined? Yeah, I've um, I actually met one of my like my best group of friends in Kansas City through an oh, event right. like that it was actually it was actually a designer night uh-huh. for um for board games so that was back when that's a rap was really in a very kind of embryonic stage and i took it to this and these people they had their own games they played my game i played their game and they're like hey we meet on um, every Sunday at this coffee shop just to jam out and work on games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were primarily like digital designers and I have not a clue about computers at <laughs> all, but <laughs> there is still, um, people would work on like video games, board games, that kind of thing. So I started going to this, um, Sunday coffee kind of meetup and yeah, now they're just like a really close group of friends, which is awesome. We play Dungeons and Dragons together, try to do game nights, Super Smash Bros. nights, that kind of thing. And uh, beyond that, I've also found other groups as well to play games with, which is really nice. Is that help with kind of like um, planning your strategy for kind of like the playtesting of that sort of Yes, so much. I've made so many people that i know in like who are heavy gamers just play my game so many times (laughs) (laughs) i mean have you always kind of done the design is that's a wrap is that kind of like the fourth or fifth design that you've looked at or was that the one that's always kind of always been there at the back of your head uh this is my first game all right um, yeah, is the first one I ever came up with, and now I have like ten other ideas. But um, time, energy, money-wise, right now, that's a wrap. Is it? And how? I mean, how did you come up with the idea? So the the time in my life where I really started getting into board games was also a time into my life in my life where I was really getting into movies. Like I was obsessed with award shows, uh, what's going to win the Oscar, that kind of thing. Um, and it, I was literally, I was literally walking to work one day, just did a college internship. And this thought hit me of a way to make a board game that kind of married the worlds of like board games and movies because I was not aware of any games about movies at the time. I have since found out there are a lot of games about <laughs> movies, but <laughs> yeah, um, I, I've seen that. I've seen that a lot, but I think you get that kind of like in, in kind of most walks of life. I think uh, definitely when I used to sell websites for a living, there'd be somebody that would phone up and they would go like, right, I've got an idea. It's like eBay, but and then that was it, and that was their idea. And it's, or you know, <laughs> or we could do auctions, or you could, um, or you could order food online, um, 
okay like this one. Um, no, but it's different to that kind of thing. So I think it's... I don't know. Um, there's a couple of issues with um, finding games of a certain genre is that I don't think they're particularly categorised. Like, I know we joked earlier on about having kind of like a, a dystopian future type game thing, but actually right. in terms of categorizations of games, I don't think they're actually categorised based on potentially the theme and or the mechanics. It's usually the mechanics. You know, I mean, if people said, like, I want to be, you know, let's talk about kind of like deck building, Mm-hmm. You know, people would say, oh, well, Dominion, or they would talk about Clank, or they would talk about Star Realms or something like that. But if you break that down, that's like a fantasy realm space, you know, kind of. Right. You know, it's kind of like different. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a different to categorize it. So when people say to me, like you said, oh, I didn't realize there were so many kind of board games to do with, you know, or or tabletop games to do with movies. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, well, that's that's kind of fair enough because even if you try to look at kind of like Board Game Geek, I still kind of get the sweats when I <laughs> type in <laughs> Board Game Geek into the browser because I realise it's like I'm going to have to navigate this thing. And, you know, all I do is I end up just clicking, you know, the list between the hotness of the hundreds. I just click between publisher and, you know, board game name. And that's kind of right, and, just, right. and then I just close my browser and kind of kind of run away. So I totally get where you're coming from. I mean, unless <laughs> well, unless you're kind of like looking up specifically searching kind of movie movie based anything or you know that kind of theme anything, and you could get like a different theme that could have totally different mechanics in it. So right, it's like totally thing. But you had your so you had your flash in the pan idea kind of thing. Yep, and. <clears throat> How quickly was it before you had a kind of a working kind of prototype before that kind of evolved a little bit? Was it relatively quickly? Um, So actually, it's kind of interesting. The main catalyst for me kind of creating the game was I had that idea. And then, you know, ideas are cheap. You know, you can have a million of them. The reason that this one like really got to be like a thing was because I found a like a board game design contest put on by some like big board game corporation. I don't remember which one exactly it was, but it was like, submit your games. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll come up with the game based on like this one that I just created. Um, So I kind of like put the rules together, made like um, index cards with this stuff on it, submitted the game, obviously failed horribly, (laughs) but that was because the game was like maybe 1% done at that point. And I had no idea. I was like, yeah, this game's great. And like, you know, I'd played it a few times and it was like, so I, again, I was very, as a babe in the woods with the uh, board game community. I had no idea how much of an amateur I truly was. (laughs) Um, I don't think you do. I don't think you do. I think, um, I don't, I think it's expected that people have followed kind of basic rules and stuff like that. I remember saying this, but, you know, people talk about, well, have you read the works, you know, Jamie Stegmeyer's blog on oh, absolutely. Kickstarter, or have you, re- have you read the stuff by James, you know, Matthew and folk are like, unless you're aware of their existence when you walk in, I mean, when you walk into the hobby in the first time, I mean, it's quite, I mean, I have spoken to quite a few people whose exposure to the hobby has only really occurred after they designed the game, and it wasn't something that they... That happened kind of like before they did it, you know. So I, I oh, kind of yeah, completely definitely. understand where you know folk have said, "Well, I didn't. It wasn't, sh- you know. I, I put together a game and and kind of like I I just did it and kind of it wasn't wasn't ready, but I didn't know which kind of kind of direction direction to go. So you sent it off. You came back with a nice, polite note, laughing, and then. <laughs> And then did you go back and did you put it back together and say, right, okay, let's actually think this, start to think this through logically? Or did you just put it aside in a drawer and went, right, okay, game design, it's not for me, and just kind of left it for a while? No, I was like, I was not expecting to get anything from this anyway. Honestly, it really, I treated it kind of as a springboard from it to, from 
to go from idea to actually a thing. So now I had this like very basic prototype and I was like, let's just keep running with it. I'm really having fun designing it, fun playing it with my friends. I love puzzles. I love being able to like break things and fix things. So the idea of game design is always very attractive to me. Um, kind of taking this idea and finding what is the best, what is the way to make this the best that it possibly can be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, that really just kind of started on the journey and it kind of, you know, meandered on. This is, well, I was in college, so like, if people knew me, they knew that I had like a board game. I upgraded from index cards to clip art, printed out at the local FedEx. Um, <laughs> then I cut it out using my own like scissors and always took like two hours (laughs) um i moved i graduated college i moved to kansas city yeah um you know like i said i met my game group i started you know keep to trying to really shop it around get it ready just keep working on it keep designing and then i got to the point where i said i am really comfortable with the where the design is right now i am ready to find an artist and that was, I, I do credit that the decision to find an artist as the true tipping point from this being like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. Like, this is a real, real choice that I am making. Well, because art, art's yeah. expensive, let's face it. I mean, oh, if you're yes. finding an art, I mean, let's, <laughs> you know, it's not like, uh, what did you do? Well, I went, you know. Got, got a coffee and you know I was needing those shoes I saw in the window yeah and so I went and got them because my old shoes were kind of like a bit done and then I went out and spent um, $1,500 on art um, <laughs> because I was <laughs> because I was bored um, you know it's not it's not like that is it I mean that's when you know you're kind of committing to the project I know of a lot of people who have gone as far as creating prototypes and still not like you said, they used like the stock clip art because you know once you're actually getting an artist involved, then um, it has to be. I mean, it's almost a case of you have you have stepped out the plane with the parachute on, and now you're just going to see how you kind of land. I guess mm-hmm. when it kind of gets to that, did with the um, with the kind of the the art side of things, did were you looking to go for? Like a particular style, I mean, was that led, how much of it was influenced by your vision for it and how much did the kind of the artist effectively bring to the table and did they influence the kind of the overall look of the game in in any way, shape or form? Yeah, so um, my artist is a... She is a mind reader. It is incredible. (laughs) (laughs) I... um, I was looking at a bunch of, you know, freelance artists in Kansas City. It was really important to me to stay local because Mm -hmm. I think maybe part of that is because I'm a big control freak and I want everything to be within arm's length of me. I want to be able to meet in person, look at things kind of like in a physical sense. That was really important uh, to the creative process of the game. So, like I said, I was looking local. I found someone who had... Um, graduated from a local art school, like an art college. Uh, I saw her portfolio online. Uh, I reached out with an email, said, you know, hello, this is the project that I'm working on. Um, here's kind of like some cards I have right now. Here's like a very preliminary rule book. Like, do you think this is something that you might be interested in? Um, and... She was, you know, very tentatively interested, so we met up at, like, a coffee place and just, like, chatted through everything, and yeah, you know, we kind of got to this point, it's like, all right, you know, let's, let's go, you know, she's, let's do this. Yeah. Um, And from there, the style that I was going for, uh, what she had really matched kind of what was in my mind's eye, I wanted something, the only guidance that I really gave her to start was I'm looking for something very colorful. I wanted it to be very like, you know, Hollywood, California, those kinds of pastel beachy sunset type colors. Yeah. Um, and I also kind of used a reference for um, Grand Theft Auto. I liked the character designs of that. It was cartoonish, but in a realistic sense. It wasn't like, I didn't want anything hyper realistic, but I also didn't want anything 
super cartoony. Um, no, no, and, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. You're talking about um, whenever you um, whenever you kind of um, boot up the game on Grand Theft Auto Five, you kind of get like the illustrations kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. Okay. Um, and yeah. So beyond that, I really gave her my only other guidance really besides that was I wanted a lot of diversity within the characters. Cause I think that's something you don't see a lot in board games um, mm. sometimes. And that can be, I, I just wanted to make a game that had that. Cause that, that kind of thing was important to me. And also because I was making a game about making movies, you know, you see a lot of backlash about like movies and especially award shows favoring like, white people over everyone like i think the the time of this was that um the oscars so white kind of fiasco that was going on um so i wanted to make this movie making world where there was a lot of diversity um because i thought that was that would be a cool way to you know this is how i this is how things could be you know movies with all kinds of different and we do have that like I, i think like uh, I watched a lot of movies. I saw probably, oh, I want to say like 150 movies last year. Not in mm-hmm. theaters, uh, but just like for the first time. And, you know, they're, they're doing a good job, I think, of movies today having more diversity. But, um, yeah, like I said, I, I, I just wanted to kind of bring that to the table. So my only, uh, my only guidance to her was I want more diversity. I want a lot of diversity. And she was totally on board with that. And that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, I really, we played through the game once so she could kind of get a feel. Um, I gave her the names of all of the cards and what they do. And I was kind of yeah, like, yeah. you know, go wild, you know, use your artistic sensibilities to come up with something. So she went away. She came back, um, uh, we, you know, we were meeting kind of interspersed throughout all this, but Ultimately, we came up with a sketchbook. So she had a sketchbook with all of the sketches, about a hundred unique illustrations, uh, over a hundred unique illustrations between like the genre cards, actors, scripts, studio meddling cards. Um, And yeah, they were all incredible, even in black and white form. I still carry her sketchbook around to (laughs) conventions and it, it has actually brought in a lot of people. She is, yeah, she's incredibly incredibly talented and from there it was like all right these look amazing and then we she did a uh, line work to make it easy to digitally color them and then she put the color on and then all the graphic design came and she she also did the graphic design she is basically my one-stop shop for everything that i don't do which is a lot <laughs> she does the art graphic design um she designed my kickstarter page all right. Um, all that kind of thing. It really is just kind of a two-person show, me and her, which is um, exciting, exhausting, and everything in between. <laughs> <laughs> but really, like I said, um, this art style is really 100% her own, and I just love how it integrates with the game and all of the ideas within the cards. I had, you know, just a few small minor edits, but really not that many. Her artistic instincts were incredible, and she really came up with an awesome product. And I think uh, the art is just so much of a reason that I think people are going to respond really well to this game. And I honestly couldn't be happier with how it turned out. Did it give you ideas in terms of the mechanics of the game to add in kind of additional mechanics or ideas into the games into the game at all? As far as the art, yeah, I mean, did it kind of like give you oh, okay, maybe you know, maybe do this with this, or maybe add this in, or you know, change kind of how the scoring went, or adding kind of different components, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, definitely through just talking with her, going through, um, you know, the art and all that, we definitely came up with some really good ideas. Of course, game design is never 
ever finished and once the art was done i still had changes that i made of course those changes had to really be made with respect to the art that was already finished i didn't want to change anything totally that would require total art rework um but Mm. one of my biggest changes was actually i don't know probably it was after all the art was done it was fairly recent it was probably like six five or six months ago i made like one change that tipped the game over into the point where i was like okay it's ready i am 100 percent comfortable with how it is and i am ready to throw it out to the to the market as it were because you know before then there's always there's like oh you know there's like the game is great except like this one thing that i'm furiously trying to fix and then i kind of figured out um the magic key for that aspect and it made the game a thousand percent better and i'm like all right there it is that's a wrap as they say (laughs) except that's actually not true because designing the game is like maybe 25 percent of what's going on (laughs) yeah yeah how i mean how have you found kind of um creating noise and getting people kind of interested in playing the game outside the kind of the immediate kind of play testing circles you know trying to get kind of um building interest in it How, how have you found that oh um it's tough like i said um it is a it's a two person job. Although I do pr- I do all the traveling and the marketing aspect. Like she does the art and the design and stuff. I do the marketing and the business side, which is you know a perk of being a business major in college. Um, but I am f- a little f- more familiar with that. But yeah, the marketing aspect is something that was very very difficult for me to kind of get into. But I've kind of I've come into it a little more. I'm getting definitely more comfortable with mm-hmm. it. Um, a lot of taking the game to conventions. Yeah, that was that was always cool. I started the first ever convention I went to was this teeny teeny tiny one in Kansas City. It was really the perfect way to just kind of dip my toe in the water. See, you know, this is how it works to go to a convention such as this. Um, like I said, very small, just set up my game for like one day and then, um, had other things to do that weekend. So it was really just a one day deal. And then from then it was like, I got very comfortable with, uh, kind of the convention aspect. So I've been to, oh, I've been to a bunch of different conventions since then. And those are always a really good opportunities to connect with people, get them aware of the game. And just like some of the best ideas have come from, playtesting at conventions as well i do love using do love going to conventions i actually am going to one this weekend which is nice a convention just before the launch of the campaign so hopefully i'm hoping to grab some you know first day one backers this weekend kind of a last ditch dash (laughs) to the finish line and what's it like kind of getting kind of feedback from complete strangers I mean, do you have to kind of detach yourself? Because, I mean, you've been involved in the project for a while. So do you have to kind of almost cut your emotions away from it so that, you know, if people are getting kind of like really, really excited about it? Because, I mean, okay, there's two ways I look at it. Somebody could come along and go, look, it's, you know, this isn't for me. Um, It looks okay, but it's really not my bag. And it's like, well, why is it? It's like, well, I don't like this particular mechanic. It's not my bag. But on the other side of it, um, I've also seen people be victim of the hype side of things, where they get you get four or five people that go, "This is absolutely amazing. This is the best thing that I've ever, ever, ever kind of uh, played." And then you almost get a case that you kind of you can rest on your laurels a bit mm-hmm. <laughs> because you've had such kind of good kind of good feedback. I mean, was it was it has it been strange kind of having to deal with kind of not people that you've got maybe a little bit of a longer term kind of relationship? It's kind of like you know straight in, kind of straight out, kind of play test, kind of quick buddy type scenario. Mm-hmm, definitely, yeah. There's definitely like a really good balance in between those. You don't want the people who are like. You know, I ask, you know, we play a game and I'm like, all right, you know, what, what's good about, you know, what would you change? And they're like, oh, no, it was great. You know, there's nothing. And it's like, come on, like, there's got to be 
gotta be like something especially like in those early stages like now if someone says that i'm i can like breathe a little bit just like there's no Mm. glaring issues but like you know early before when i knew there were problems if someone was like oh yeah there's nothing it's like you know there's definitely things like i need the feedback but then there's also those people who are just adamantly opposed to the game and that's something i've definitely had to come to terms with this is a game that really is um it has elements that very 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 serious gamers may not like as much there's some dice rolling some take that mechanics in the form of like i kind of mentioned the studio meddling you can have the studio meddle with someone's movie you know get rid of their actors or their scripts or tank their profitability or that kind of thing and like the cards are fun and thematic but if you don't like games where you know someone can play a card on you um i can see how someone might have you know kind of an opposite reaction to uh to this game but the best um the best thing that i've ever heard from a playtester and what i always strive to hear not like always strive to hear but it is really nice to hear when i play with someone and they say you know this isn't my kind of game but it is very well designed and like it's a good game like i prefer something different but i think you've designed something really nice like that is that is my favorite kind of feedback, which sounds kind of weird, but um, that's no. how I know that I know like that. If someone says that, then it means something for real. I think um, I think um, with so many games out there nowadays, um, there's two sides of it. I don't I don't think it's physically possible for everybody to to pick up on every game that's being created. And I also know that there is a lot of, like with video, I mean, if you look at the video game industry, yeah, there is a kind of a general thing where you do get people talking about kind of like their piles of shame. Mm-hmm. Look at all the video games that I've got. I need to invest kind of 40 hours in order to play all of these games. And, you know, Sony and Microsoft know it, so they'll, autom- you know, they'll often put a, a game that's, you know, reviewed really, really well on a kind of a low price because they know if they stick something on the $25, you'll get a pile of people kind of not wanting to buy it. I reckon in the board game side of things, uh, people are, there's the kind of the, there is the cult of the new, but there's also people that are thoroughly aware that they do have maybe 10% or 20% or 40% of their collection hasn't really got to the table and they've not really had fifty dollars or sixty dollars or twenty dollars worth of fun out of it. So I think some people are quite they're a lot more quicker to shut something down if it's compared to you know, if it's close to something that they they've potentially not had a had had a had a good time with previously. Right. Kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? I heard somebody mm-hmm, talking definitely. about kinda of like putting kinda of, you know, talking about worker placement and having, you know, something like, say, um, you know, having Scythe there and saying it's an area, you know, it's an area control game and putting it next to, you know, and, you know, a game like maybe Cry Havoc, which is kind of like area control game, but they're kind of completely different kind of games if you're just kind of matching them up to being kind of war gamey type things with area control. I mean, you could put them in the same bag together, but they are completely con- different games. So I can see some people kind of protecting themselves from saying, right, I don't need this one because it's kind of similar to this, I think, and which is kind of how they how they, how they they kind of protect themselves. Um, I see it all the time. You know, it's just one of these, kind of one of these yeah, things. Yeah, definitely. In terms of how, how the game plays, let's talk about that let's hear your um you know let's hear your pitch young man you know if you're if i was an aspiring movie producer let's hear it you've probably practiced potentially not in front of a mirror potentially maybe in front of a mirror (laughs) but let's hear this pitch what do you do and that's a wrap all right well that's a wrap is a card game card drafting dice rolling movie making game for two to five players um you take on the role of movie directors who have been hired by a major movie studio 
Um, and the goal of the game is to be the director who wins the most Oscars, most Oscar awards by the end of your contract with this movie studio. And kind of the story of the game is um, only that director who has the most Oscars at the end of the contract will get to keep their job and everyone else gets fired. Um, so each year, each round, the game is played over four rounds, the players will each make a movie. And you make a movie, you see which scripts and which actors are available for you to bid on, and then you choose the genre of the movie you want to go for. You know, do you want to go for a money-making horror movie or an awards-winning drama? You kind of make that choice based on what the kind of the economy is. Um, Everyone chooses their genre. You bid on the scripts and the actors. The scripts and the actors are all, the actors are all kind of like archetypes, like a child actor or um, a respected elder, or an action star, that kind of thing. Um, the <laughs> scripts are all kind of movie ideas, like sci-fi, western, that kind of thing. So you get some really fun combinations from the bidding aspect of the game. After all the movies have been... After all the movies are kind of filled up with, like, they got a script and an actor, you go on to the studio meddling phase. This is when you can play a card on yourself. You can help your movie or kind of mess with someone else's. This is the fun part. You know, you kind of have your idea for this movie, and then boom, suddenly it's black and white. Boom, suddenly it's um, gone from a comedy to a horror, that kind of thing. Or, you know, you give your own movie best original song or best cinematography and kind of think, like, what would that look like? Um, After the studio, you release your movies to the theaters, you make money, you roll the dice, uh, see kind of how how it ends up. Your movie can be anywhere from a flop to a smash hit, and each tier kind of brings you a certain amount of money and influence. And then after the uh, profit phase, you go on to the Oscars. You can nominate each category of your movie for an award. And if you roll high enough, you're considered nominated. You get an Oski or basically a victory point. And if you're also the highest roll above that threshold, um, you get an additional one because you won the award. All right. Okay. Basically, yeah. Play play goes like that for four rounds. That sounds very simple and straightforward. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good. Like once you get there, there are. There's a decent amount of rules. I really wanted this game to be a good bridge between party games and heavy Euros. Because I feel like most movie games either fall on one end of that spectrum. And there, I have not found a good, like, mid-weight, um, pretty casual movie game, but still has game aspects. That's not just, like, pitch a script idea and it's Cards Against Humanity style, like someone chooses a winner like this is more of a game game kind of thing so i I did want something in that middle tier but um it is fairly simple once you get through the first round of playing you can just go through it really easily and that's something i'm proud of because you want something that's kind of like people can just it's like uh they can play it before they play maybe a a much longer game or they kind of use it as a kind of like a palate cleanser at the end of something else as well, or they can yeah, just play definitely. it all night if they want. Yeah, if they're not feeling kind of like wanting something kind of like completely, kind of completely heavy. In terms of, um, in terms of the markets for pricing, what are you? What are you currently kind of? What's the kind of the pledge level is going to be? So the pledge level for one game is going to be twenty nine dollars. Uh, kind of thought about you know other games in my collection that had similar component components similar sizes and i figured that was a good um i I figured it's a good valuation of the game any higher would have felt like you know kind of overpricing people i didn't want to do that and any lower would feel like it's putting it on kind of a different uh pricing tier that i feel like wouldn't be fair to the design of the game and the components Mm -hmm. okay okay and um in terms of things like shipping, are you going to be doing kind of like the worldwide shipping? Is it going to be kind of EU-friendly shipping, or will it depend on the kind of like the number of the amount of interest that you get? Um, the logistics company that I'm planning to work with does offer um, uh, friendly shipping to EU, Canada, Australia, okay. China, and then obviously the United States. Cool. Um, I know Hollywood is very... U.S. centric, so I anticipate most of my interest to come from the U.S. But you know, I would yeah. not turn down 
backers from other countries. And I hope, you know, it gets to a point where a lot of other people have interest in it as well. Um, there are shipping tiers for kind of those main zones, but if someone outside that zone wants a copy of the game, I do hope that they will like reach out during the campaign and we can try to figure out some kind of shipping solution. Excellent. And, um, I mean, have you got other kind of ideas? I mean, is this, I mean, obviously you've been working on this for a while. I mean, are there other kind of games we can expect from yourself? I I hope so. Um, I, you know, depending on whether how well this uh, how well this endeavor goes doesn't leave me completely jaded. But <laughs> I have um, I have a word doc full of like a bunch of different ideas. Um, let's see, the two ones that I really like right now are a social deduction game based where players are on the set of a horror movie where one of them is a killer and, you know, is just kind of picking people off during the game. Okay. Um, you know, just social deduction. You're trying to figure out who's the killer, you know, who has the murder weapon. But you can also, like, move the weapons around to try to frame someone else. Um, I'm considering having it be, like, a timing-based game. So the first round is, like, five minutes, then four minutes, three, two, like, something like that where it plays pretty quick. So it gets pretty tense in a in a fun fun kind of way. I always love social deduction games, so I would like to kind of come up with one. Then I also have another idea that is um, that I think will be really cool is kind of um like a fighting game. I don't know if you've ever played Sentinels of the Multiverse, which is kind of a superhero style yeah. game. Yeah, I've heard a little bit. Of that, yeah. yeah, yeah. So. I, yeah, I have an idea where it's like, um, you know, team versus kind of an AI enemy, but the premise is a the premise is the major holidays have turned evil, and now all of the minor holidays have to rise up and fight them. So it's like this horrible, like <laughs> oh corrupted Santa being fought by like Flag Day and Arbor Day, <laughs> um, that kind of thing. I, I think there's a lot of fun potential there, and I have some good. Um, design mechanics as long as everybody as long as everybody ends up turning up turning around on columbus day and beating them up and be fine (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) columbus day should be the one who's behind it all (laughs) exactly that should be it kind of thing Mm. what you do now i'm just going to wonder about islands being a general kind of pain in the ass oh that sounds really good (laughs) um if people have listened along tonight and they want to find out more about your good self, where do we find you on the internet webs, Mr. Sadiq? So I have a I have a Facebook page that's that's a rap game, um, mm-hmm. Instagram and Twitter, which I still don't understand. And those are both under my um, company name, Diacritical Games. Um, and then you can also go for uh, the the website for the game is up. That's a rap game dot com. Um, yeah, find me on Facebook. I'm always trying to talk about the game because that's <laughs> what that's what you do. <laughs> try not, that's you good. know, try not to be a, a, not not an annoying way. But I always love when people reach out. Uh, someone actually. Is I, I really like this. Someone, a local designer reached out recently and he's like, hey, I came to a game design night that your group was hosting a while ago and I played your game and I've been following its development since then. It looks super good. Like, do you have any tips on how, um, like, I'm working on a game too and, you know, what tips and things do you have for me? And just like the fact that someone would think to reach out to me like that was so, so flattering. <laughs> and I, I love giving advice too. So it, kind of it was a fun it's a fun thing well what we'll do is we'll take all those links and we'll put them in the show notes so that we've got awesome to thank show. you okay and we'll also make sure that the kickstarter link is there as well so everybody who's interested can have a look and they'll hopefully have a pledge if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to go to the google search for we're not wizards you'll find us on our website we're not wizards.com twitter instagram facebook is we're not wizards youtube is we're not wizards tabletop podcast for some reason and um, we're on all the podcast catchers of your choice and the ones that you don't decide to use 
as well. Um, you can email us, which is magic at we're not wizards.com. Yes, I am aware of the email address and it's irony. That's why I chose it because I'm hilarious. Um, but you can find us on Stitcher and Speaker and Acast and Spotify and Google Podcasts and um, all these cast box places and just everything that has the word pod in it. You know, we're there for some reason. People email us all the time saying, we've put you on our podcast thing. And I'm like, thank you very much. And then I leave them alone. Um, if you um, like what you've listened to tonight, there's two things you can do. Um, tell somebody, you know, just say, hey, you, do you like podcasts? And they go, yeah. Do you like tabletop podcasts? They go, yeah. Do you like tabletop podcasts with annoying Scottish people who like the sound of their own voice? Um, maybe. Okay, well, you know, send them our way. The other thing you can do is you can go into Apple Podcasts and you can consider dropping us a subscription or a rating or a review. If you are going to give us a rating or review, don't give us 10 stars. I know it's the same old joke, it's 2019, but it's the only joke I know. But don't, just don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us one star because it makes us sad, like Michael Caine doing his broken voice. Give us something in the middle, like a five, because it's average. We're just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average tonight is the kind of the Oscar-nominated, kind of um, Grammy Award-winning, game design, spiel de jar nominee brilliance that is Adam Sadiq. So thank you for uh, thank you for coming along, sir. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've had a blast. That's good. And there's only two more things to do. First thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Adam? No. That'll do. We're not. We are not wizards. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, and the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Adam. Say goodbye, Adam. Goodbye. Uh, and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Rollsixes.com and um, Oscars are on their way and if you fancy something to play while the Oscars are on their way or something to back while they're on their way then um, check out That's a Wrap Um, but until next time um, That's a Wrap Bye A wizard is never late precisely when he means to.